the volume. The Sessions is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. They're America's number one sportsbook for a reason, y'all. It's so easy to use. It's safe and secure. That's one of the main things for me. I don't want any BS. I love that there's no BS with FanDuel. Plus, you get your winnings fast. Now winnings are delivered in as quick as two hours. Plus, it's super fun to combine multiple bets from the same game into a same game parlay. It's awesome. So if you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with the promo code Renee, that's R-E-N-E-E, so that they know that I sent you. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, Wyoming, or West Virginia. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona 18887897777 or visit ccpg.org/chat for Connecticut 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com/rg for Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania and Virginia 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY for New York Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789 and 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming. Visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the sessions. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm joined by a freaking legend today. I feel like this guy has to pretty much be on everyone's favorite list. I mean, who doesn't love a little William Regal? I was so happy that he wanted to pop on the podcast and come hang out. His stories just always make me laugh, and uh, you guys will understand now. If you don't already know what I'm talking about, you're about to get a taste of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, we literally start the interview with uh, Mr. Regal showing me his his lizards. He's got a bunch of lizards. We know this. He posts them on his Twitter to hang out with them on his head. It's a great time. Um, but William Regal has been there and done it all. I mean, we talk, you know, some of the stuff from his career to his relationships with John Moxley, his relationships with Brian Danielson, now working with Wheeler Yuta, part of the Blackpool Combat Club. So much stuff to get into with this guy. This was one of those interviews that, oh my God, we could have gone on for hours and hours. There was so much stuff that I still really wanted to talk to him about. But one really interesting thing that I did get to talk to him about uh, that you guys will hear about in here is um, his time at NXT. We did get into that, had a couple uh, different conversations uh, about what his time was like at NXT and especially kind of the tail end of it as people were being released, what his experience was like and how he was actually on board for a lot of the changes that were happening with NXT. So I think his take on that is, is really, really interesting. So here we go, guys. Here's his lordship, Mr. William Regal. I apologize because I am in my reptile room as usual and it is incredibly hot. Well, you look like a million bucks. Buys to start the day. There we go. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting stared at by my lizards who are usually crawling all over me. I've just finished feeding them and looking after them and I've put them back in the cages and they're just giving me the dead eye now. What is the head count of the, the lizards and uh, other amphibians first? I don't have any amphibians. No amphibians. No, oh, no. Oh, no. I have two uh, tegus in here, which are from South America. And then I've got a watermark, baby water monitor upstairs who I'm trying to get tame. It takes a long time to not think you're going to eat them when they're little. 
once they get big, they get ridiculously telling. And these two are about, these are two and a half years old. They're not anywhere near as big as they should. They're big, but they're nowhere near as big as they're going to be like probably three to four times as big as they are now. But they're still nearly three foot and about eight pounds, the male at the moment. So he's going to get huge. Okay, I have a lot of questions about this, but let's bring the lizards in. Grab a lizard. This is a, it's called, it's a red tegu, but it's a high white red tegu, which means it's been specifically bred over 10 generations to highlight the white more. So they're very cat-like. They're very tame, but they're very cat-like. And in fact, they don't, they've had enough of you. They've had enough of you. But he's got a heart right underneath his chin there. Can you see it? Oh my gosh. Look at his jubbly little neck bits. Where does the love of the lizards come from? How did you get into acquiring all these beasts? I don't know. I think I had my first lizard when I was nine. I'd left home when I was 16. So I didn't know any for a couple of years, but then I did. And then once I, I was met my wife um, and we got our first place together when I was, it just turned 18. And I've always kept something since then. Obviously, I was traveling a lot, so my wife looked after me. I used to keep spiders. My wife hates spiders. You hear these stories of people coming home and finding the wives with another fellow. I come home, and she denies this to this day. I come home one night, and I found my wife with a knit, one of her knitting needles trying to stab my tarantula to death because it was trying to get out of its cage. It was crawled up the side of the glass and was trying to get out. So I'm not allowed to have the spiders anymore, but um, I have the lizards. Um, i got two here. i got, a, like I said, a baby water monitor. Water monitor is the second biggest lizard in the world. A friend of mine called Kevin McCurley, who's a genius reptile breeder in Boston, just outside of Boston, New Hampshire. He bred this specific locale of called the Guru line, which probably will only get as a male get to five feet and about 50 to 60 pounds whereas a regular male will get to eight feet and about 100 pounds the lizard that i just showed you and the species of lizard tegus are the crossover animal between reptile and mammal because they are very very uh, mammal like in in the way they act and they're also they up to now the only reptile they've found because they're cold-blooded that can increase their own temperature by 15 degrees. You make this sound like charming. Like I wouldn't have thought that I'd be interested, but now I'm like, wait, do I want to dabble in the lizard world? They sound so sweet. There's some incredible, small, beautiful lizards like gargoyle and, and crested geckos and leopard geckos and bearded dragons, which grow to nice sizes and are very easy to look after. When you have big lizards like this, you end up needing room size. Like I'll, I'll have huge cages now. They will have like half room size cages and the water monitor will have a, a full room size cage. And they cost a lot because we are in that this room and it is incredibly hot. I've already had to wet my hair down this morning. My hair is going to look as limp as a priest's handshake by the time we've finished this. Let me say this. John and I were watching some classic Regal moments this morning. You really have a really great head of hair. Really, your follicles are on point. You've really maintained a, a lush head of hair. Oh, it's lucky. All the stuff I've gone through as well, you think it fell out by now, right? <laughs> um, you mentioned your wife earlier. You guys have been together for so long. 
what do you attribute the the longevity of your relationship to and like keeping things alive and keeping the spark alive? My wife's been far more wonderful than I am and looking after me and being an incredible person and taking care of everything when I was away. This is before I came to America. I mean, there was one time the year before I came to America, 1992, I was away for nine months. Then the year I came to America, 93, we saw each other. She came for three months of the summer because that's all she was allowed to come for because of visas. We have a silly sense of humor and it gets us through things and we, we laugh about stuff and sometimes don't. And and, and, and that's life. Uh, we've got each other and that's what matters. And, she, and, and another thing is she doesn't, from the day I met her, she doesn't like wrestling in any way. So there's no wrestling at my house. My sons were brought up without any wrestling apart from coming to one week a year. They'd come in their school holidays with me. William Regal gets left at the airport. And I used to have a, I had a, a very strict rule with that. Even to wrestle in Atlanta, I live south of Atlanta, but to live in Atlanta, I had to go past the airport to get to the arena in Atlanta. And that's when William Regal switches on and Darren switches off when he comes home. And there's not a picture of me in this house anywhere of anything. You wouldn't know I was a wrestler. And I think another thing, a true part of that is the fact that I go away a lot. We don't get on each other's nerves as much as we probably well, I, it's not that my wife gets on my I would get on hers. I get up this like this morning and I'm doing Elvis impressions and she's just looking at me like I've just dropped out of a dog's backside like you mental. <laughs> I feel like your wife and I could probably um we we probably have a lot in common when it comes to uh the ridiculous things that happen in our households. You've both chosen to spend your lives with rogues. And I think that's what attracts me to your husband and rogues spot rogues. And myself and John spent so little time around each other, except for a few car rides. When we first met, this was mainly on him because he likes to keep his mystique about him, which is what I liked. And if we were in a car and maybe Claudio was there or something, but we, we sort of, I don't know if that was him purposely trying to like keep this thing going with us. Uh, because we used to talk a little bit about that, that, that nobody has any mystique. I remember John saying to me once, this was when I first met him, you know, nobody has any mystique in this job. And I somewhat, I'm more open to it, but I can I still keep a bit of mystique because you don't know what the character's going to be. What about with Brian? What is the relationship like with Brian? I mean, you guys go... So far back, especially early on for for Brian's career, what is your relationship like with him? It's more of a friendly, chatty relationship, but it's always been like that. I ended up inheriting the training job at Memphis Championship Wrestling. I came back to WWE in... There's a few myths about how I got back to WWE. They're not true. Back there at the beginning of March, starting on the 1st of March, I went to Memphis Championship Wrestling for six months, being told by Jim Ross you'll be there exactly six months, and as long as you don't do anything silly, which my life would change the year before, I just go, no, that's the end of that. Whatever I was going through before, just moved on, and I was there exactly six months. I had a certain match at a point a lot of people know about, but I had a match that went on at a Brian Pillman show at that time. That's what we were watching this morning was that match. John really wanted to to get into that. I've heard stories of that's what got me back in WWE. I was already paid by WWE. 
they were seeing my stuff every week from Memphis and getting reports about what I was doing. That just happened to be why it was going on. Why does that match feel so special? It seems like that is kind of the standard bearer for a lot of professional wrestlers to look to. It's just another day at work to me, you know, I mean, because it, we've been doing that kind of stuff. You're being humble. No, but we, there's, there's, there's videos with Chris. You can actually find one. I think it's on my birthday, 10th of May, 1993. There's one on YouTube of me and him doing that same style of stuff in some little place in Tennessee for WCW and people hadn't got a clue what we were doing. We were doing, that was what we did. Anytime we got to, to wrestle each other, we did different stuff than everybody else and at a different kind of whatever. So it was just, we got booked together, we turned up and I don't mind telling that story. I know it's a touchy subject and, and, and it should be, but let's separate whatever happened to the actual talent and, and the person. I had a pretty much of a plan of what this match was because it was stuff that I either knew we could do or we didn't need to talk about. We just react off each other. But there is a myth out there that I, I got hired back by WWE after that. I was already working for WWE. I finished getting paid for WCW on the 28th of February, 2000. I started getting paid by WWE on March the 1st. And then March, I think it was about the 8th or whatever, I went to Memphis. I was there for six months and then I started coming back on doing little bits and then the first thing that I ever did was with Chris Jericho when I did a Goodwill Ambassador thing. And it was six months exactly because I went to Memphis and we did some incredible stuff there. Less than a month, Brian turned up. Brian and Spanky and Lance Cade and a fellow called Shooter Schultz, who were all from Shawn Michaels School. And I was going to the training. And then when everybody left, I'd stay in the ring on my own. And that's all of a sudden... From day one, Brian and Spanky and the guy called, uh, who gets no recognition anymore but should do because he was head of the game on a lot of independent star wrestling was uh, Reckless Youth, Tom Carter. He was there at the time. And we train on all kinds of stuff because they were helping me as much. And people say I helped. No, they helped me far more than I think I helped them. And then they started showing me different Japanese stuff because I knew my stuff from New Japan, but then they were showing me all Japan stuff and that. So we were sort of doing all this incredible mixing of styles and, and they were they were helping me more than I, as much, if not more, than I was helping them. But I was showing them old English stuff or we were watching tapes and, and we were just working on all this stuff. And so that led to my connection with Brian and then it went from there. You know, I, I got moved to the main roster. Brian went on his way. Eventually, I helped. I, it's not, I don't like to say I did anything for him because it, it was just, he wanted to get good at that European style. I hook him up going to England, which he did for the next four years. When he was doing independent shows, when he was back in America, occasionally he'd come and stay at my house. He was in the Atlanta area. He turned up once. He looked like the Unibomber. And I said to him, What's the beard all about? He went, you do know that razors are $10 a bag. And I went, okay, that makes perfect sense to you why you've got this beard. And his gear gear was a bit scruffy. So this, this would have been beginning into the 2000s now. In 1996, I, I had what I thought was one of my best wrestling years in WCW. I was the only person that year, and you can look this up, who was really going all over the world. 
because I was in WCW, but I was going backwards and forwards to Japan. And I was also, they let me go to England. They let me go to Germany. That I was doing other things. And I was wrestling all the luchadors and all the people that nobody else could wrestle. So anyway, I, I used to, that's where the maroon came from. I used to wear trunks and boots. I had a gear change about the first few months of 1996. Well, I still had the, same boots and trunks. So I gave those to Brian because he looked like a tramp, to be honest with you. It's, it's, well, well, you know, there's no word. Tramp in America means something different in England. No, like Lady and the Tramp. You're scruffy and like uh, homely. He looked like a tramp. So I give him this gear. So any of that stuff that he had with the maroon boots, knee pads and trunks, they were mine. These are just things that happened, but my name gets attached to him or things like this. There's little things that connect to all. But also, in March 2000, WWE sent me over to California for a three-day seminar with the UPW people. So I met, at the same time as meeting Brian, I met John Cena, Samoa Joe, Chris Daniels, Frankie Kazarian, Victoria, all these people that were there. So all of a sudden, between them knowing that I would help people, between Brian, the word of Brian spreading and and... Ring of Honor starting because of really one match that Spanky and Brian Danielson had. That was the thing that sort of got that going. All these younger wrestlers started, if they were extras for WWE, or even if not, they were somehow getting hold of me and asking me to watch their stuff because it was the day of the DVD. There'd been an influence of British wrestling. The tape traders had started getting stuff. And what they were getting was Johnny Saint and Steve Gray and Iron Fist, Clive Myers. I was seeing people trying to do some of this English stuff, but not quite knowing how to do it. Not long after, I think it was 2002 or three, Dave Taylor lives three miles from me, just down the road. He, he opened up a finishing school for wrestlers. It, it lasted about a year. But one of the first things that happened was CM Punk, Chris Hero and Ace Steel all turned up one week together. I met those guys. And then... Not long after that, Cesaro, when he was living in Switzerland, turned up to Dave Taylor's school. So I'd come back off the road for WWE on Tuesday. I'd be there Wednesday, Thursday, just help for a few hours. So I got to know that group of fellas. And it's sort of meeting anytime we're in the northeast, especially in the northeast of, of America, which was a lot, as you know, is a lot of the shows were there. A lot of the extras that were coming, who were people that either worked in Ring of Honor, or we're in that independent world. The word go around that there's somebody that was is quite happy to give you all your time because I didn't play cards. I've got no interest in sports. I don't like pack mentality and gossip. So I used to not be in the dressing room a lot, right? Some people at the time took that as me being a bit arrogant. No, I was out by the ring. And if you want to come and pick my brain, and, and it's not that I know anything, I want to learn as much from you as I can learn because it's all changing, right? I want to learn from the talent as much as they can take from me. But I can say, well, maybe try this, maybe try that. Or, And it's not about me. It's about what I've seen or been through or say, look, I can save you a thousand matches worth of working this out. If you just do that, it'll look better. Or I've seen this guy do this or I've seen this lady do this or I've seen this because I've been around for 39 years since I had my first match. Fight fans, take your best shot with a risk-free bet of up to $1,000 from FanDuel Sportsbook. Even if your fighter gets knocked out or tapped out, 
New customers get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. Just sign up using the promo code Renee to bet on all the biggest boxing matches and UFC fights. Get up in there, make some money. You guys can choose from the money line and the method of victory and so much more. FanDuel is America's number one sports book. The app is so freaking easy to use. And when you win, you get paid real fast. And FanDuel Sportsbook has just launched in Ontario, Canada, my home province. Let's get after it. So to place your first bet risk-free, just sign up with the promo code Renee. That's R-E-N-E-E. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Minnesota, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, or Wyoming. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as is non-withdrawable set credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 for Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG for Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Virginia. 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-877-8- HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY for New York, Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee and visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia or 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming. So really quickly, and we don't need to dwell on this by uh, any stretch of the nature, but talking about the moments of you being let go by WWE, you take onus for a lot of those moments and the things that you were doing and you know where you were at in your life at that point. But this time around, being released from NXT, uh, given the role that you were in, the many different hats that you were wearing there, um, how did you feel about that one? There, like, I can't imagine that you feel that that one is one that you should be taking ownership for. I was expecting it, to be honest. It makes perfect business sense as well, because you can't have somebody else come in when everybody there is still coming up to me and asking me what they should be doing. Could you really feel the changes starting to happen? I mean, Yes. I mean, that was happening from, from last summer and it was the perfect storm. And then, and then Paul got ill. I was all, I was all on board for the changes. I'm going to tell this, might as well tell this story. Now. How long have we got, Renee? Have we got a bit of time? We have as much time as you want. Okay. So I have a theory that everything peaked at Portland. We did Portland NXT in February of 2020, and we all came out after that night. Didn't matter what was going on else again. Everybody's got a different story. 2019, after the initial thing of, oh, there's another show starting, it was, if you want to all think about this or you're trying to beat this or you're trying to, I'm not. There's a hundred other people that will be thinking about what's going on somewhere else. It's just wasted headspace for me. I'm going to work on the people that work with us and try and help them get better. That's just me. It's just another day at work and everybody else who wants to gossip, it's something for them to do. I'm just working for the company I'm working for. I'm going to do the best job I can and I'll get on with it. So we came out of Portland. Again, there was all this other stuff going on, but also in 2019, I nearly died. Oh, my God. January the 4th of 2019, I was given 24 hours to live, and they were going to cut my leg off because I had sepsis in it, right? And I managed to kick out of it. I'd been in hospital for eight weeks, 
and I, I was I, I thought I was going to die. I got my family around me at Christmas that year uh, in 2018 because I thought and I'd made peace with the fact that I was going to die. So when I came back in 2019, there was a lot more stuff going on. There was, you know, AEW said, I, I haven't got time for all that. I need to make NXT what it can, you know, that's my, I work here. Let's, let's do this, right? But 2020, we go into Portland and we come out and all the top fellas were coming up to me and going, we've done this style to death. We've done everything. And there was people trying to figure, how can we change a bit of something? Because it's going to be more of the same from now on. There was a few little discussions like that going on and we were all, so we were starting to think like that and then COVID it. And then it was, never mind that, let's just survive. Well, the first five months, I couldn't even, they wouldn't let me go down there because I'd had this pericardectomy. Well, a pericardectomy is a very rare thing to have. Basically, your heart is contained inside a sac. Well, the sac around my heart got infected many years ago and then calcified and was crushing my heart and it was a solid lump of like rock around my heart so they had to cut me out and take away that rock so my heart became normal right so it was beating normal but there's no protection of the the skin around my heart i still it's never going to be there and so they didn't know because covid was new to them they didn't know if if i got it if this would just go directly to my heart and so i had to sit at home and do everything on this, you know, I was doing Zoom calls, I was doing whatever we were doing. So not to sit idle, we had a crew in the UK, and which was actually really great because six hours a day, five days a week, we were doing loads and loads of old British matches with the UK crew in different groups and break. We had 50 matches we did over six weeks that we broke down and look if you can just take a little bit of that and make it a little bit different and I kept myself busy constantly busy in that five months and then the doctor said oh it's okay for you to come down here so when I heard last summer that we wanted a revamp I'm like great and when I actually heard what Mr McMahon wanted I was all for that but when it comes to athletes the PC is at the end of the day people see all these had these nonsense ideas about what it it's the biggest wrestling school in the world. And it is an incredible wrestling school. The PC works if you put your time in. If you come in there, you just turn up and do your class once a day and you go home, it's not going to work unless you are the one, the magic one that can just do everything. You have to put your time in. And I know this personally. Sometimes the talent who are getting paid there, who aren't doing well, perhaps they need to look themselves in the mirror and realise Instead of spending time on their phone, perhaps they should be in the rings trying to get better. I can tell you this from last November. I was in rings when there was it was myself, Adeki Suzuki, Tim Thatcher, and Danny Birch in an open ring, which is, means anybody can come and get in our ring. We were training with each other. I watched this several times. Two classes do their class, not really paying attention to the people in the ring or the trainer telling them anything get in the ring, do their five minutes, get out, walk straight to their phones, pick it up and walk out the building. Not one person come to our ring. It's our fault that you're not going home and practicing your promos on your own time. You just do it when it's promo day. Well, that's not going to get you anywhere unless you are the one. Say Robbie Brookside, you mentioned before, they go to his class. You cannot get much, much more experienced or know more than he does. Because he's so good at that and because he's so good at 
being the opening coach there, they go to his class. Oh, well, it's just basics. And he teaches them. They can't wait to leave and they never go back. I've asked people, do you ever go back to Robert's class and actually learn or keep doing your, I don't need that. Yes, you do. Because I can have a match with just an head lock and a wrist lock. I don't need any more than that. And I'll make it last for an hour if you need to, because I know enough stuff to make it look good and to put the emotions and stuff in between. Johnny Gargano taught me something not too long ago, before I left there. He said, you can make wrestlers, but you can't make them love it. So at the end of the day, it's the biggest wrestling school in the world. People are going to come and go, or people are just going to have the run. That was normal wrestling life for many years, for all of us, before any, when it was just big companies. If you got six months in one place or a year in one place, that was a good thing. So if you get more than that, you're doing well. The pitfalls of wrestling, I don't need to tell you that, but you've got to either up your game, you've got to change your character, you've got to get good at something, you've got to connect with somebody, you've got to do something. Most of the independent wrestlers that were out there getting really good or getting names for themselves in the last 10 years have been signed up somewhere. So the new people, unfortunately, they've come into COVID. Anybody who's got over in this COVID period has done incredibly well. Daniel Garcia and Willie Uta. They managed to get themselves noticed in COVID. How amazing is that, that they got themselves noticed? There are very little places to go, but they got themselves noticed. So there's all these things were happening. I was all for the fact that, okay, if the boss doesn't want independent fellas now, we've got to get masses of numbers because you're only going to get one out of every 50 or 100 that actually really wants to put the time in and, and, and love this. And, and work and do every, be in there all day long, every day, trying to hone their craft. There's a lot of people talk a good game. They don't actually put the time in. So there's a lot of things that I thought need a kick up the backside here because people are not paying attention. And nobody had to tell me to go up to better wrestlers when I was younger and try and pick their brains. Nobody had to tell me to work on everything that I could work on. That's why I got to where I got to. And... Not only, I was fortunate to have the best wrestlers you could possibly, possibly have in Europe. Because I bothered them, they took me in, right? Well, you've got it in that, you've got a team of people in that place that know what they're doing. And now you've got a team, you've got incredible people in AEW. So all the talent now have got all these people, John, Brian, the books have made their own way. I, I've known them for years, right? I used to marvel at them, well, Good for them, lads. They've, they've figured their part of this world out and they're making it work. And so whatever your style of wrestling is or whatever it is, there's people that you can learn from, right, in this day and age. So I was all for that. I know this is a long kind of a thing, but I was all for the change. But then I also get that if you're trying to make a complete change, you might not think that I'm, I'm quite open. I don't know if anybody knew that I was very open to the fact that, that I wanted to be a big part of that and I was because I was very hands-on with the Creed brothers and very hands-on with Bron Breaker right I had an incredible run on the main roster and I have had the absolute greatest run possible in NXT so if, if, if nothing else the time came when it was time to go now so it didn't become something I didn't like and move on and so that's the way I look at it Football fans, check out the Three and Out podcast with John Middlecoff only on the Volume Podcast Network. John brings his unique perspective as an ex-NFL scout to the Volume to break down all the news around the NFL and college football. Whether you're looking for game predictions, coaching searches, 
the ins and outs of the NFL front office, even an occasional golf tip. John has you covered. Download Three and Out with John Middlecoff only on the Volume Podcast Network. And now on to this new chapter, working with the Blackpool Combat Club. I mean, you guys are incredible. That goes without saying. Working with Brian, working with John. Um, I love watching you do just about anything. Literally, like, the smile I got on my face when you first showed up with them. I was at home. I think I was watching with, see, they're watching with my mom or John's mom. And I was like, oh, my God, it's happening. William Regal's here. He's coming out. But just the simple things from when you go from commentary, walking down the ramp into the ring, there's like a sparkle in your eye that is just tells such a story with such simplistic, simplistic um yeah, just like the, the bare bones of the things that you do make everything just seem so magical and alive. And I love to watch those things. Um, and you've been able to work with so many amazing people. You, you know, we've talked about a bunch of them throughout this episode while also looking at the hats that you've worn and the talent that that you've been able to uh, to kind of hone in on. So my my last question to you with all of these amazing people. I can't believe that I'm just getting to do my thing with this group because they brought me into this. It's amazing. And I'm like kicking myself every day when I get there. I'm I'm with three that I really get on with. We're all of the same mindset about keeping the strength of the job and doing things a certain way. None of us are trying to overshadow each other because I trust them to tell me what they, they want. It works so beautifully. We just react off each other and that's all we do. And I get to just be whatever's built up of, of William Regal is a more than 39 years of, of being in the wrestling business. And then all the things that influenced me without realizing the comedy and, and, and stuff and comedians from Britain and whatever. I, I don't even think about what we're, we're, I just turn into this thing and there's no thought whatsoever. Zero thought. It just becomes it's just second nature and you leave me to do my little things and whatever that I don't know where that half the time I have to think where's that come from oh yeah that, that might have, I did something the other night and it just come out of me because I was thinking of a certain thing it come out of me and I thought oh that's from obscure British comedy show that I love that my favourite comedian's in it's like a cult thing in England and it, there was one word and I made, I just said it when I got on commentary the other night and started laughing and I'm like, if anybody gets this good, if they don't, it, it just adds, it just adds, like, but we're all like that. We all seem to be, as far as John and whatever John, John is, is John and he has, he's created whatever he is. I don't know. And I don't want to ask him how he gets into whatever he is. I don't need to ask Brian because Brian's is what he is. And Wheeler's doing whatever he is and, and, and doing that. So it, it's fun. So really fun. It's, it's really great. I love watching you do your thing. You're the best. Um, I just, I appreciate you taking the time and getting to hang out with me. I could listen to you tell me these stories all day long, um, but I've taken up a good chunk of your day at this point, but uh, I really appreciate you hanging out with me for a bit. Now, what was your last question? Because you said you had one more question. What do you think Claudio Castagnoli should do right now? Just be Claudio, because there's only four people that I have ever gone to Mr. McMahon or to Triple H with who I have said, and this is nothing to do with the job, but what I have said, I cannot tell you what I put my, what I say, put my card. That means I put my reputation on. I put my job on the line once for Sasha Banks. 
she was somebody I went because I knew her. And my first thing on the job was hire this lady because I see. And I said, if it doesn't work out, you can fire me. She's not one of them. That was a separate thing. I've only put my card to four people where I've gone and said, look, I can't tell you if they're going to draw you any money, but they are incredible at what they do. They are professional. They will always be there. They will represent the company well. Everything that you could want out of a person, and two of them was Brian and Claudio was the second. So that's how much I think of him. And I just think that he needs to do whatever he feels is right for his family. If my words mean anything, again, it's not about what you think is right or wrong. If nothing else, to have the stabilizing influence of a thousand percent. Uh, no, let me not say that because that's stupid. It's a thousand percent. One hundred percent professional person who everybody can look up to and watch and learn from and learn, you know, Everything that you could possibly want to be as a professional dresses like a star, as a human being, speaks five languages perfectly, can represent your company anywhere. That's before we even get into the ring. If you're not used, if you, you can't find, you don't think that he's, then again, maybe there's something wrong somewhere. Because I would, if it was, I had any clout anywhere as far as that much stuff I would be going I would sacrifice some of the money from that roster to to get rid of and this may sound horrible to get him I don't think that sounds horrible at all I don't think that sounds horrible I think there's so much value in Claudio that is how much he would bring to any locker room agreed so that's my opinion I love it. What a way to go out. Well, William Regal, I I appreciate you jumping on the podcast. Hopefully um, I will be able to see you down the road yet again. And once, um, once my daughter decides she wants to get into lizards, I'll be hitting you up. Oh, it's (laughs) nice small ones. Not these big things. (laughs) It is like having a tank running around you. I mean, you have to lizard proof everything because they can just (laughs) smash everything and take a lot of looking after so yeah well it's been a pleasure flower all right love big thank you to william regal for hanging out with me he is welcome on the show any damn time that he wants it is an open chair open zoom chat for him the mic is on anytime love hanging out with him i feel so biased saying that i love the blackpool combat club but here i am All right, ladies and gentlemen, I appreciate you listening to another episode of this show and hanging out. As always, lots of cool stuff coming up on the show. Some really great guests booked. I will not tease them this week um, because who knows? We might switch around the schedule a little bit. I don't know. uh, Something might happen. Something might pop up. So just know that cool things are happening. You get to be a part of it. I get to be a part of it. Um, So to make sure that you're always a part of it, make sure to turn on, um, like to subscribe, first of all, through Apple Podcasts, all those places that you listen to podcasts to subscribe and turn on your notifications. Also, like, rate and review if you could. If you don't mind, if you have a second, even if you just give a rating. I wouldn't mind the review, though, because sometimes I like to read them and it makes me feel better about myself. Unless, of course, they're me. In that case, it does the opposite. Anyways, guys, thanks so much for hanging out. I appreciate you all and I appreciate William Regal. I'll be back on Thursday. This has been The Sessions. Bye.